is it time is talking about the end times and I don't know if you have thought about COVID-19 and the world crisis that it's brought to think about whether or not this is the end of days and then if you look at the news and and Jim Key and I before we early this morning before anyone else was here we were talking about Israel and how Hamas is sent 2,000 missiles into Israel. And we say, well, that's Israel. That happens all the time. And I, I, I follow a blog by a, a Dr. Jim Dennison that kind of handles current events. But he's saying that this is different in Israel than what they've ever expected and had before. The intensity level I guess is higher is what what they're saying. So could this be the end of days? Is it time? And we as Christians realize that God has placed eternity in our hearts. And we think about life after death but this generation coming up and I'm not saying that in a negative way is they don't consider that possibility they don't think that far in the future a lot of our culture is experiencing it here and now but the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 this is what what the Ecclesiastes writer writes he said he has made everything beautiful in its time Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God has set eternity in our hearts. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at five provocative questions that we need to know the answers to and maybe even share with our friends. The first one's this, and this is what I'm going to preach about today, is Jesus, is Jesus really returning? Is he really going to return? I've been hearing this about, about this all my life. The next question, when is Jesus returning? When is that going to happen? Could it happen today? Could it happen tomorrow? Third question, something that we don't like to deal with, is hell real? Is there really a hell? If there's a loving God, is there a hell? And, and, and next, what actually happens five minutes after you die? What happens after you die? And the la- last question, what is heaven like? So we're going to be looking at those five questions over the next several weeks and asking the main question, is it time? Are we living in the end days? Is this a part of the apocalypse? They were asking that same question in Jesus' day. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. We're going to see what Matthew writes. What Jesus says. And he sat on the Mount of Olives. Same place where Jesus is to return. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? What are the signs? Is what the apostles and disciples were asking. Now, if you're online, 
and joining us today. We, we appreciate that and we're excited. Just throw it on the chat if you know any of the signs of the times of Jesus returning. But I want you to realize this, that Jesus could return at any time. There are very few things and they could happen just like that in a moment and everything would be in place. But they were, they've been talking about this for generations and generations and generations. From the very beginning, Matthew 24, all throughout the ages, every generation thought that their generation was living in the end times. So you've got to ask the question, so what's different about today? What's different about today? Well, I've got a few things, three reasons why today is different than any other day. And maybe why we could be living actually at the very end of it all. Number one, the regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Now this is amazing in and of itself. The regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Why is that so amazing? Well, got to remember that the Jewish people were displaced. Actually, they were killed violently, just wiped out in 70 AD. They said that when the Romans came in because of their rebellion, they just killed everyone and decimated Israel, and they drove them out. In fact, people would talk about the the reuniting or the regathering of the nation of Israel and say it was impossible. In fact, in 1900, Schofield wrote this Bible, or not, he didn't write the Bible, but, but he had a Bible with notes and, and he talked about the regathering and the reuniting of Israel and, and, and preachers and religious leaders and theologians mocked him because they said it would never happen. And at that time, in 1900, there were about 40,000 Jews living in Palestine, in the general area of Israel and where Jordan and Syria are today, in the region they call Palestine. By 1940, there were about a half a million Jews living in that area. Still not believing. Well, Britain had control of Israel after World War II. And guess what? In a matter of a few days, by God's providence, Israel became a nation in 1948 with a half a million Jews living there. Right now, according to Wikipedia, this morning I checked, there are 6.7 million Jews in Israel and in that Palestine region. In the United States, there's about, I think it said 5.7 million. So at one time, there were more Jews in the United States than there were in Israel. And by the way, there are about 500,000 Jews living in France right now, but there is a decline in population as there is anti-Semitic activity going on in France. So the regathering of the Jewish people, number one, 1948, important date to remember. Number two, the reclamation of the land of Israel. Believe it or not, in 1900, they know exactly how many trees there were in Israel. 
Could, could you even guess how many trees you have on your property? If, you have, if you're a very large landholder. I happen to know how many trees I have because I just had three cut down. I have two in the front, actually three in the front, and one, two, three, six. I think I have six trees on my property. You guys know how many trees you got? And bushes? 17,000. Why, why did we know how many trees there were in Israel? Because the Turkish, the Ottomans actually for centuries owned Israel, basically controlled Israel. And you were taxed by the number of trees. So you had to know. Now, if you were taxed by the number of trees, how many trees would you have? Thanks for asking the question. Not very many. So they started cutting down the trees till they only had 17,000. Do you know today that there are over 450 million trees in Israel? No, I did not count everyone. I'm just relying on some information. 450 million, because God is reclaiming Israel. The place Armageddon, which was Megiddo, was a mosquito-ridden swamp in 1900. Today, it is one of the most luxurious, the most fertile areas, the most productive pieces of property in the whole wide world. Now, Ezekiel 36, 35 says this, and I, I want you to, to realize that in the Bible, 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament talk about the end times and is a time. Out of 216 chapters in the New Testament, there are over 300 references to the end of days. One out of 30 verses are dedicated to the end of time is a time. Isn't that amazing? And so I feel that every once in a while we ought to talk about this. But Ezekiel 36, 35 says this, and they will say, this land that was desolate, Israel was desolate, has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and the desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. That was a prophecy thousands of years before. God reclaimed the land. And number three, and I've already said this, the rebirth of Israel as a nation in 1948. All that had to occur by the grace of God. Now I want you to catch this. And this is important. In Matthew 24, 32 through 34, Jesus is telling, telling this. As a lesson, from the fig tree learn its lesson as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves. You know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. And truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. All right. A lot of people, a lot of prophetic teachers, and I got to say that I take a middle-of-the-road, very conservative role and look at prophecy, okay? Because there's a lot of crazy around this whole issue. 
And I just want you to know. And a lot of sketchy. And so I just try to say what the Bible says. I don't say any more. I don't say anything less. I don't make any big predictions. My credibility and integrity is on the line, obviously. And, and, and if I say it wrong, I, I have some people that are faithful to hold me accountable. But think about this. Israel, 1948. Israel, 1948. And, and a lot of people think that fig tree is a reference to Israel. And one generation, according to Psalm chapter 9, the, the lifespan is 70 or 80 years. And so you add 70 to 48, 1948, and what do you get? 2018. And if you take the 80 years, what do you get? 2028. And so some people, I am not saying this, I don't know. If, if God didn't tell Jesus, he certainly hasn't told me. Between 2018 and 2028, I think there's some significance there. So am, am I saying we could be living in the last days? Absolutely. But every generation has said that. So let's look at some passage of scripture that deal directly with this. And, and 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 and 4 talk about it. First of all, knowing this, and Peter writes this to the early church, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. That's happened, hasn't it? Verses, verse 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Talking about God speaking creation into existence, ex nihilo. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. So Peter is saying there's a time coming just like there was at Noah's time, where there will be an end of time. And then he goes on in verse 7 of 2 Peter 3, and he says, by the, But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. In this moment, God only has to say a word, and it is done. So why does he hold back? 2 Peter 3.8 But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach Repentance. Now, this is kind of how I look at it in my mind. That Jesus might look at the Father and say, Is it time? Can I go? Everything's occurred. And the Father says, No, let's wait. Maybe a few more will come to the knowledge and the understanding and the faith. In you, son. Let's wait. 
Let's give them more time. Is it time yet? But then he goes on in verse 10. And he says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. I've been around a few people here lately, and if they watch very much news, I, I, I can tell you that all I hear is, Ain't it awful? That? Isn't it wrong that? Can you believe that? I hear it over and over again. Is the Lord surprised? Absolutely not. I think there's two lessons that we can learn out of this passage and what we're talking about today. Number one, people are going to get distracted by life and forget God. You think that's going on? With the immorality and, and, and the things that are being, we are being encouraged to say that they are okay, that are immoral in our culture. You think people are distracted? And they don't even ask the question of where does this all lead to? What happens after I die? It's something that they push out of the way. And I think sometimes the things that we don't talk about, the things that we push out of the way, are actually the questions that really need to be answered in our lives. We try to keep them at arm's distance, but we can't. The Bible teaches what is seen as temporary and what is unseen is eternal. The Bible teaches that what is seen, what we know, what we see, what we feel, what we touch, is temporary. But what is unseen, our spirit, those things that God directs, are unseen. They are eternal. Here's the reality of the situation. Whether or not it's between 2018 and 2028, I don't know. But here's the truth. Whether or not we are living in the last days, you are living in your last days. That we have a shelf life, we have an expiration date. I I get a kick about my grandkids. They are uh, expiration date checkers. I'm thinking at six and eight years old, they are reading and starting to throw things out of our refrigerator. I said, don't do that! But there's an expiration date on it. And we have that in our lives. Now, lesson number two is this. People are not going to be ready. That they're living their lives. They think they have plenty of time. Things are good. They are blessed. They don't even have to wear a mask anymore. They've made their choices and they're going on with life. And they're not going to be ready. They've heard it. They know it. They've seen it. They've been hearing it all their lives. Jesus is going to return. Are you ready? Yeah, whatever is their response. And my concern is for you as believers, for me as a believer, 
is that we need to be vigilant. We need to stand guard. Matthew 24, verse 32, Jesus says this, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. The question is, are you prepared for Jesus' return? His coming is sure. I would bet my life on it. In 2 Peter, Peter goes on in verses 11 through 13. He says this, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. This sounds like a supernova to me. And the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Is there lawlessness going on right now? Are people losing their stability? Has this year been a year of uncertainty and unprecedentedness and instability? Absolutely. But Peter wraps this all up in verse 18. He says this, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. He says this, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I just want to encourage you to grow in grace, to stay awake, to be alert, to realize that the end of times is a reality. And we as believers need to be vigilant and concerned, not afraid. I'm not doing this to scare you. We've had enough scary stuff this last year, but to encourage and to remind you that we need to stay in a state of vigilance.